Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, everyone. How is the state of your Christmas readiness? I actually have no idea because my wife does most of it. I would say she does all of it. She just sends me to the store to buy things. So I'll just follow instructions. Otherwise, you can ask her how we are doing. Well, we are in week two of Christmas in the city. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas in here and around the world. And in our nation, there's some amazing things happening. And you can, you can walk through the mall nowadays, and we can sing about Jesus in the mall. They're playing songs about Jesus in the mall. And then we're lighting trees and we're lighting candles and we're, there's a whole cottage industry of Christmas movies and Christmas songs and different countries have different ways to celebrate Christmas and all of the different traditions that we have in our families. I just want to know why we're doing all of this. Do we know why we're doing all of this? There's people on your street that have put lights up on their house and they just don't know why. They're getting ready to give gifts on December 21st, and they're going to tell a story about Jesus, or maybe they'll, they'll sing about Jesus in the mall, but sometimes we can forget why we're doing all of these things, why we're getting all these decorations out, and we're spending all of this money and doing all of these things. And what I would suggest is that there's a very important moment in history that has caused all of these things to happen, and we should celebrate, and we should enjoy the holidays. Uh, Christians should be the ones... Uh, trumpeting the name of Jesus more than anybody uh, this time of the year, because theoretically we should know why we're doing what we're doing. And that's a little bit what we're talking about uh, this Christmas season. What is the event that moved all of these things to happen? What was the event in human history to cause all of this celebration and all of these traditions that we've created? Because what can happen, all of these traditions can become and they can evolve and they can become all of these um, consumer things that we do and what we want to look underneath on, on the reason why all of this has happened. And so if you missed last week, as many of you did because of the weather, uh, we started talking about this last week and we talked about Jesus as the light of the world. If you missed the message last week, you can catch up uh, through our church website or po- uh, podcast and also through our church app. And one of the things that we do at Christmas season, we put lights out. And we would say that everybody's coming to look at a celebration of lights, and we're going to turn on lights, and we're going to see lights, but nobody comes to see the darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world, and so this is one of the things that we do and we celebrate at Christmas time. And the other thing, obviously, that we do at Christmas time is we celebrate Jesus' birth. Uh, As we read last week in the Gospel of John, John gave us a little bit of the meaning of Jesus coming, not so much the details, some of the details we're going to read about today in in Matthew, and then we'll read later in the month the details that we see from the Gospel of Luke. But one of the things that we know about the Jesus story is that the birth story is really important. And this is one of the things that we continue to celebrate in life, that somebody's birth is really important. Your birth is really important. Your, your family celebrates it, and your friends, some of your friends celebrate it every year. And they take you to a restaurant, and they make you stand on a chair, and they sing to you, because what are they saying? The world is better because you're in it. And we're going to celebrate that every year you were born. 
Now, do you have a birth story? Do you, do you, uh, do you have your parents told you your birth story? I know that um, I, my wife and daughter were here in the first service, and I told the story of our, our oldest being born, which was 20 years ago this last September. And I talked about how long my wife was in labor, labor and I shortchanged her five hours. So I just want to get it right. This service, I think this is an important detail. Last service, I said 12 hours. She corrected me. She said it was 17. And she added this fact, which I forgot. It was back labor. I'm figuring the whole thing is painful, right? But back labor, I guess, when the child's back is on your spine and so is worse. So she was telling me how much she was suffering. It's basically what she wanted to get across the truth of the birth and the second service. But I have very vivid memories 20 years ago. I know it was a Saturday night because when Nicole started going into labor, um, sort of late Saturday evening, she had these contractions and she would have a big contraction and then she would have a small contraction, which proved out to be true. When we got to the hospital and they hooked her up to the machines where they could see the contractions, which was really cool. I was impressed by all this technology. Um, that the nurses, I'm, you know, my wife is in pain. I'm looking at all the technology. I'm a guy. Okay. So I have a very vivid memory that it was Saturday night because we knew we were getting ready for church Sunday morning. I had to call my dad and say, Dad, we're not going to make it to church. The baby's coming. And as Nicole was suffering in pain through 17 hours of back labor, I got it right, friends. <laughs> it was Saturday night. I'm thinking, when are we going to the hospital? She's like, no, not yet. So I'm watching Saturday Night Live, late Saturday night. I know I have to get ready. I've got to stay awake. got to have a coffee. So we were pregnant. Not just her, we, she didn't, she didn't get into this situation alone. So we were pregnant, and she was feeling all this pain. I was actually feeling okay. <laughs> I was just pretty tired, you know what I mean, friends? It was like I was suffering through a sleepless night. <laughs> I'm making friends with everybody in the room today. So I'm there, and then Nicole ended up getting the, what is the thing in the spine? Epidural. I called it a spinal tap. See, I got it all wrong in the first service. <laughs> she got the epidural, so she blocked the pain. And then so as we were going along, it was about 11 a.m. Sunday morning, and Nicole wasn't fully dilated, and Nicole, I'm not Nicole, Avery had moved down to the birth canal, but, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle going on between her head and the birthing canal, sorry if I'm too graphic for you this morning, this is why you never bring your kids in here because you never know what I'm going to say, all right? <clears throat> so, but, you know, as we were going there for the 17 hours, including back labor, that, the, you know, the nurses were great. Does anyone have a birthing experience? These nurses are amazing. And so, you know, and they were calm and cool, collected, but when we got to about 11 a.m., they started to move a little bit faster, and they started to called the doctor and they needed to get some things ready. Why? It's because Avery's heart rate started to drop. Because Nicole wasn't fully dilating, they had to do an emergency C-section. So everybody went from calm to we're going to move quickly, we're going to move her to the OR and the doctors are coming and we're going to get the baby out as soon as we can. So, you know, the, they, they did this really fast and they got her in the OR, the surgery, the baby's out and I got to be the first one to hold my baby. I'm not going to cry. And that is her birth story. And you have a birth story. My, my parents' birth story of me was I was a second child. And uh, apparently my sister's birth was really hard. And I was really easy, which is apropos for our personalities. <laughs> I'm, I'm the easy child. She was a little bit difficult. She's not here to defend herself. 
But as, as my dad would say, I just came sliding down the pipes. So it was a short labor situation. This was back in the day when the guys were out in the, in the, in the waiting room. My mom was in there, and the doctors would come. You have a son. I was 9'6". I, I was a hefty child. But I came out nice and easily. But we're going to look at today some of the details of Jesus' birth, because Jesus' birth, I would say, is the most significant in human history. And as we look at this story, this story is not a long time ago in Never Never Land. This is uh, in a specific place, in a city, in the real world in which we live. Bethlehem, it's still a city that exists today. And this birth sent shockwaves into the future that today, over 2,000 years later, we still celebrate it. It's a really big deal. We can't get away from it. And we do all of this extra stuff. And thank God for the extra stuff. It's super fun. But we should know why we're doing the extra stuff. So let's look at some of the details here of Jesus' birth. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because her husband, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because... What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give, a birth, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until the day she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. That the details of any birth story, yours included, are really important. And why? The details of every child's birth are important is because there's so much potential wrapped up in every child. Now, you and I have tremendous potential, and, you know, my 20-year-old, my other than spending a bunch of our money, has not realized her full potential in life yet. She's in school, and she's going to be doing great and amazing things, as with my other daughter. But the potential that we see here wrapped up in Jesus' birth is what? That he's going to save his people from their sins, that he is going to express to us, Emmanuel, God with us, that Jesus had a very specific purpose in coming to the earth. And that's why his birth is so significant, and that's why it's a big deal. That's why the church celebrates it. Every year, we make a big deal about this idea that Jesus came. Why? Because there's so much potential wrapped up in who Jesus is is, and then what he did, and what he accomplished. See, there's two important days in anyone's life, is when the day you are born, and then the day you find out why you are here. Now, there's great understanding in the thought, you know, to, to fulfill your potential, like I said, and, and to use the gifts and callings that God has put on the inside of you. But the very first thing, other than the day you were born, 
The second day is when you experience a relationship with God. It is called the new birth or becoming born again. And we sang about it this morning in the first uh, carol that we sang, that born to give us second birth. That this is the thing that caused the history of the world to change, that Jesus came for this reason. Born once, but then God wants us to be born again. To, uh, and this term can take on a bunch of negative um, connotations. But once, once we understand from the scripture the meaning of it, the purpose of it, it takes great meaning and, and it takes great significance in our lives. I was born once, and there's details around it, but then God wants me to be born in to his family. Now, Jesus has a conversation with a religious leader. His name is Nicodemus, and we're going to read about it here in a second. You know, a very famous verse that we say in the, in the church all the time, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, preceding that verse or that thought is this conversation that we're about to read with Nicodemus, who was a religious leader. Now, within the context of Israel at the time, um, civil law and religious law were the same thing. And so people who were leaders uh, within the faith community, within the Jewish nation, they had a lot of power. And you see Jesus was always at odds with the Pharisees if you read through the Gospels many times. But Nicodemus was a little bit different. He was coming to Jesus because he understood that God was with Jesus. He was doing all of these amazing miracles, and he was observing his ministry. But Jesus was outside of the norm. He hadn't gone to rabbinical school. He hadn't followed the traditional method. But it was undeniable that God was with him. And this is what was confusing to Nicodemus, and he was trying to work it out. He was trying to figure it out. That uh, for, once again, the Jewish nation and within the Jewish faith, it, it was in the accomplishment of rituals, it was in the accomplishment of laws that a relationship with God was obtained and sustained. Jesus showed up with a completely different paradigm and was doing these amazing, miraculous things, and so it was confusing to Nicodemus. So let's read this conversation. John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to, Jew, to Jesus by night. Why did he come at night? Because he didn't want anyone else to know he was there. That a bunch of his friends who were also Pharisees, you know, they were coming against Jesus. And then Nicodemus, though, is observing Jesus, but he wants to have a conversation with him. He comes at night. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's saying that Jesus' teaching was affirmed by the miracles that he did. But it was a little bit confusing because once again, Jesus is outside of the normal channels of spiritual leadership that we would see at the time. And so they're, they're trying to figure this out. And then Jesus says to him, Jesus answered him truly, verse 3, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless someone is born, this, this term literally means born from above. In other words, born from God. So you were born uh, from your mother, which we'll see here the details of that in a second. And you're, you're, you're born in that context. But then Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to have this whole other experience with God. And without this experience, you're not actually going to see the kingdom of God. You're just going to be relegated to your kingdom. 
And this is the choice for us always. Am I just, am I just going to live in my own kingdom, in my own creation, and with my own education, with my own understanding? with my uh, own ability to operate and navigate the difficulties of the world, or am I going to choose to live in the kingdom of God? Because God has invited us into his kingdom. Jesus said, though, unless you're born again, born from above, you won't actually see or recognize, this is what he's saying, when you see it, you're not going to be able to recognize the kingdom of God. You're just going to be stuck in your own kingdom. You're going to be stuck in your own ways. But Jesus said to him, Let's, let's keep reading here in, in verse 4. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So Jesus was saying this phrase, and Nicodemus took it literally, and Jesus wasn't trying to express a literal, physical truth. He was trying to express to him a spiritual truth. Jesus answered, verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and... The Spirit, he cannot enter, enter the kingdom of God. Now, when you're born of water, once again, in your physical birth experience, there was water involved, right? We say, a woman, her water has broken. Now, there's other stuff too. We won't get into that right now. But the water is broken. So you're born of water. You're born naturally. You're born with a body so you can live in this world. But then he says, and the Spirit. So you're going to be born once physically and the Spirit. You're going to be born by the Spirit of God. And Jesus is saying, this is where we actually experience the kingdom of God. Over here, just being born with a body, it's just me. It's just my kingdom. It's just what I can figure out. It's how I can choose and what I can do on my own. But Jesus is saying to us that he wants us to have this other birth, this second time where we experience the Spirit of God. And that's the Spirit. The word Spirit and the word breath in the Greek language, they're actually the same word. So when we are born physically, what happens to us? <gasps> we take in air into our lungs for the very first time. And when we are born spiritually, the same thing is true. What are we doing? We're taking in <gasps> the Spirit of God. And Jesus, Jesus is saying, without this birth, we actually won't recognize the kingdom of God. We won't be a part of the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. Verse 5, we read it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, once again, we could take this phrase and we could make it a, a pejorative or kind of an angry statement. But if you ever, if you think for a moment about your, your favorite restaurant or, or, or favorite experience that you maybe have had recently, and it, when you, after you go to this restaurant and you experience, you know, a certain type of food that you love, what do you say to your friends? You have to go to this restaurant. You must experience this. Why? Because it's just so good and amazing. And this is what Jesus is telling us about being born into the kingdom of God. You must experience this. You must experience this, this connection, this relationship with God the Father. Not that you just have a body and you have physical breath in your lungs. You must experience life with the Spirit of God on the inside of you because it's just so good. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And this is the experience that Jesus is inviting us into, which is so good. You must experience it. You must be born again. Verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So over here, you're born of your mother, and she's got a story to tell, and she makes you feel guilty sometimes about how much labor she went through. But over here, what are you? You're born of the Spirit. How much effort did the child put into being born? Uh, zero. It was kind of useless in the process. That it was all on the mom, all jokes aside. It was all on the mom. All of the, the birthing process all had to do with the effort of the mother. The same way being born into the family of God, it's all on God. It's all on God and what he has accomplished and what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. And this is the invitation into the kingdom in which God is in charge. And he's made a way for us to operate in this kingdom, not just languish in our own kingdom, not just struggle with our own devices, not just struggle with, I don't even know why I'm here. That we actually have a purpose in God, being born by the Spirit of God into the kingdom of God, into the ways of God. That's another way of describing the kingdom of God. God's ways of doing things, and God's ways of doing things. And this is the kingdom God invites us into. Not just my own stuff, not just what I can dream up, but man, God invites us into this life. And this, the Spirit of God does something on the inside of us. The Scripture tells us in the New Testament that we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm born from above. I'm born again. I have a brand new experience of life. I have a brand new experience in God. And this is the big deal of Christmas. All the other stuff, let's enjoy it and let's, let's celebrate it and let's use it as a tool to celebrate this actual truth. That there was something significant about the birth of Jesus for our first birth and then especially for our second birth. The thing that Jesus says, hey, you must be born again. It's such a wonderful experience to be in a relationship with God. Verse 9 Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? See, what Jesus is talking about, all in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, there was prophecy of a new day that the Messiah would come and then everyone would know God for themselves. So he wasn't understanding that. He wasn't seeing that. And Jesus is like, didn't you see what was in the scripture? Didn't you see this day of destiny where the Messiah would come and we could have a relationship with God for ourselves, not through the nation, not through a high priest, not through fulfilling the civil laws, not through me and my kingdom, but through the provision of the kingdom of God that it is through the kingdom of God that your new birth is experienced. Jesus continues to teach in verse 10. 
or sorry, verse 11, truly I say to you, we speak of what we do not know and bear witness of what we have seen. But you do not receive our testimony. If you have told earthly things and do not believe them, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And this was going to be true of Jesus on the cross, that he was going to be lifted up, verse 15. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And eternal life, the invitation into eternal life starts today, not the day you die. Because it is us choosing to believe that God has provided new birth for us separate from our effort, just like our mom. Physical birth came without our effort. Spiritual birth comes from the effort of the Father God, the saving power of God. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And then what is our part? We just read it there. We get to believe it. We get to choose to believe it. See, the choice, the choice is very simple. We're either going to operate in our kingdom, what we can do for now and for eternity, or we're going to humble ourselves and say, God, I yield to your kingdom. I yield to your way of doing things, not just doing my own thing but I'm operating in the kingdom of God. The spirit of, God, the spirit of God comes once again on the inside of me. He changes me. The scripture says things like this, a new beginning, new life, new spirit, living water, walking in the light, like we talked about last week, just new. So we all know that this is true in our lives at some point, we're going to come to the realization that we're just not enough. Now, I know you might be 16, you might be super cool, you got a lot of Instagram followers, and people like your posts, and I'm happy for you. I'm glad. But eventually, one day, you're going to get to the point where you realize, I'm, I'm just a little bit of a mess. And I can't actually save myself, and I can't actually fix all of these issues that I have, all of these struggles that I have. I can't fix all of these, I can't uh, fix all my relationship stuff and all of the difficulties that I just, I'm just not enough. Does anyone want to realize or admit that you've got there? Just not enough on my own. But thank God there's an invitation to new life. To operate in a new kingdom, in, God way, in God's ways of doing things. See, just like when you function in your family, you're born into your family, there are certain things that are true about your family, there are certain things about your Christmas traditions that, that your family does. But then God invites us into his family. And there's some things that are true about the new birth. There are certain things that are true about being born from, a God, from above that God invites us into these things. It's an illuminated mind. It's a renovated heart. It's manifestations of divine favor. It's communications of the divine spirit. I'm just going to unpack these things real quick before we finish today. 
illumination of the mind, light. We talked a lot about this last week. Ephesians 4, verse 22 says this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Does anybody want to admit that that's true? Your old self. Do you remember your old self before you said yes to Jesus? This is such a holy bunch here this morning. Do you remember your old self? And then once again, your old self rears its ugly head once in a while, right? And all spouses said, I heard an mm-hmm, not just an amen. Our old self shows up. And then we know that our old self is not our best self. Why? Because it's just me. It's just my kingdom. But me in the kingdom of God is so much better. Me uh, allowing the spirit of God to renovate and change my life is just so much better. Now we've all made mistakes, once again, taken a step back. But what we need to know is that God doesn't want us to live in just our kingdom. He's inviting us into his kingdom. And listen to what it says, verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the breath of your mind. Not just what I can dream up, but I allow the spirit of God to breathe into my thoughts. How I see life. How I'm operating in life, not just me and my kingdom where I'm in charge. No, I, I want to I yield to the kingdom of God. And I want him to breathe into my thoughts. Verse 24, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, over here is just the old me. What does Jesus invite us into? Brand new birth born from above not just born from my own doings spirit of God breathed into me changing me so I would experience new life renewed life born from above see this is the this is the invitation this is why Christmas is such a big deal renovation of the heart what does this mean? See, when our old self shows up and we make a mistake and we mess up, which we will do, what can we struggle with in that moment? We just struggle with just feelings of guilt, angry at yourself. Has anyone ever messed up and you felt angry at yourself? And then you could just go for years and years just feeling guilty for a mistake that you made. But the scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, Verse 1, in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. God has done it. Over here, we knew we couldn't keep the law. You haven't been able to keep the law, but God has done something for us. God has offered us a new birth because of Jesus' birth. God has done it for us. 
See, God has chosen everybody in this room. God has made a way for everybody in this room to move from the kingdom of you to the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, like your favorite restaurant, you must be born again. You must try this. You must know that this is better than just the old you. And this idea is the idea that changed the world forever. The real world that we live in, all of history is split at this idea. That there is new birth available in God. And in here, you're just limited to yourself, your own ways, your own kingdom. But over here, God has invited you into his infinite kingdom. Full of never-ending love and forgiveness and no condemnation. Over here in this kingdom, you're not condemned for your past as we're wont to do and look at our mistakes and how much of a mess up I am. Jesus said to us, I'm not condemning you for your past. You're not condemned. Your mistakes don't get the final word. You must come check out the kingdom of God. You must try this. Freedom from your past. No condemnation. Divine favor. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 15 says this, in the light of the king's face, there is life and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. Jesus is what? The king of kings and the Lord of lords. See, over here, we're limited to the favor that we can create with how much we can network and how, much, how many relationships we can create. But over here, in the light of the king's countenance, what is it? It's the favor of God. It's the favor of the eternal Father. It's the favor of the one who wants to renovate and change us and have us be born from above, born again, new life in God, that we would experience his favor. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Steadfast love. See, over here in the kingdom of God, God's love for you never changes. It never goes up and down. Even when you have a bad week, even when you mess up, God's love for you is constant. It is always the same. And the invitation is always the same. In the kingdom of God, it's come on. It, it's the kingdom of the second chance. It's the kingdom of get up. I know you stumbled. I know you messed up, but get up. Let's go forward. There's still potential on the inside of you. See, over in this kingdom, people will love you and then they will hate you. And if we're just going to live in this kingdom, we're just going to live constantly. Well, am I loved? Am I not loved? I don't know how much they like me. I'm struggling with this in this moment. And see, this type, this life is just your kingdom. 
But over here, friends, come on now. The steadfast, unconditional, never-ending love of God. This is the invitation you must be. You must come on over. Come on over and experience the love of God. This is the thing that Jesus came for. You're never going to measure up over there, friends. It's always just going to be the old you, and you're never going to be enough. And you're always going to make mistakes, and you're always going to feel condemned. But the invitation into the steadfast favor and love of God communications of the divine spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, for you do not receive the spirit of slavery back to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. For we cry, Abba, Father. That's just like saying, Daddy, God. See, for Nicodemus, God was distant, far away, and kind of always mad because we didn't keep the civil law and we didn't keep the religious law. In the new covenant, in the new birth, Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. How do you get to be a child? You were born. That's it. That's all you did. Well, I got to work. I got to do this. And I got to do this thing to impress. I got to do this thing to impress God. No, my daughter is my daughter because she was born. That's it. God made a way for you to be born into the family. The struggle is over. This is the story, friends. This is why we give gifts. This is why we put lights on our house. Because history was changed forever in this moment. Last thing, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and his glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. What does perishable seed mean? It means one day my parents are going to pass away and I'm going to pass away. But our, our expectation for our future is not in the name of Coulter. Our expectation for eternity with God is in the name of Jesus. An unperishable seed. An eternal seed. And this is the kingdom that he invites us into. It's the eternal kingdom of God. Jesus says, you, you must. You must experience it with me. You must. Come on. Come on in the family of God. I know you love your kingdom, and I know you think you're smart, and I know you think you're good looking, but man, this kingdom is so much better. Just come on over. You just got to experience it with me, Jesus says. And all we have to do is say yes. The Spirit of God comes in, changes us, makes us new, forgives us, brings us into the family of God. How do we get there? Born into it. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca. 
or find us on Facebook or Instagram at City Church GTA. Thanks again for joining us.